This episode of How To Wrestling is brought to you by our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. Joe! There's a new mobile game that combines my love of wrestling, geometry, and crazy characters. Yes! It's called The Muscle Hustle, and it's available for free on Google Play and the App Store. And as the best things in life are free, you can get a free gift from us, your best podcast pals, by putting in the code HOWTOSUMMER to get a special free gift in the game. Um, We promise that this gift is a much more considerate and touching than a letter from Wendy Styles. And as well, it's a super addictive and fun game, and you'll be supporting independent artists and creators in the lovely world of wrestling. Roman Reigns is finally champion. Celebrate or grieve by checking out The Muscle Hustle. But for now, enjoy this, usually for patrons, but you get it for free. It's a review of SummerSlam 2018. you lovely would-be $5 backer you. It's Kevin and Joe here. Hello. Hello. And thank you for joining us on this special free edition of our pay-per-view review series. Joe, do you know that the lovely people can only go back, and I've, I've calculated this using maths, get access to over 50 hours of whopping audio content from you and I. That's amazing. And you did that with maths. I know, I did that with maths. Turns out it's not a dead science, as some have alluded to. Yeah, right. So, 2015, on Summerstime, you and I started reviewing these pay-per-views exclusively for our pay-per-view pals over on patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling and it's been quite a journey since i think we've been watching the wwe show during some of the most fun and wild pay-per-views that we've had i think i mean we've, we've had a generally good standard i think it's been a wild ride yeah for sure a wild ride of predictions from us i mean we're pretty good at that Yes, in some ways we're very good at that, and in some ways not so good. Okay, well, in some ways that we are good at that. We've definitely, absolutely predicted the future on this pay-per-view review series. Yes, okay, for this we definitely have it. Right down to Terry Crews being there. I mean, come on, WWE. You're an institutionally racist company. There's only one reason why you're getting Terry Crews. It's because we said that's one of the ways that you can help start to make amends for things. Exactly. Hire Terry Crews. Very low energy liberal pressure is the way forward to make this Hire company change. the medium of podcasts. Exactly, yeah. So we've had a lot of fun in the past three or so years doing all these pay-per-view reviews. And it is an absolutely fascinating look back. And I can honestly say it's probably the most unique set of pay-per-view reviews you're going to find find on the world wide web but not only do you get our pay-per-view reviews we've done all sorts of random odds and ends along the way we reviewed holy foley we reviewed all of southpaw regional wrestling as a special bumper edition we reviewed a very big box of snacks that was sent to us but we also have our brand new spin-off series that's available for our backers as well joe it's the how to revisited series where we look back at our previously bad opinions and <laughs> and fight our past selves. Joe, if you read the, 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 the script in this incredibly scripted bit, because this is everything is scripted yeah. right here. The whole podcast is always scripted. Is what you were meant to say was that we were sharpening up our already excellent, well-owned right. and polished sure. opinions. Okay. Which is why we elected not to speak about any of Steve Austin's um, <laughs> colourful past, let's just say, when we first did the episode. 
And just as we didn't speak about Steve Austin's colourful past in the original episode, we also didn't do justice to our S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. Mm -hmm. I thought at the time me and Adam should have had a proper battle over who is most handsy, Seth or Dean. Or Roman. Or Roman. And and we're going to make amends for that because in How To S.H.I.E.L.D. Revisited, Adam's going to come on and me and him are going to hash out once and for all who is most handsy. So you're going to be taking Seth's corner. Of course. And Adam is going to be taking Dean's corner. Dean's new corner. Okay. Oh, new corner. Look at this. Which I Already... think is unfair, really, on me. These are very much the words of someone who threw down the gauntlet before Dean Ambrose came back with ten new shoulders yeah. all stacked on top of each other like a, stexy, <laughs> a sexy stack of meat pancakes covered in maple syrup. Um, I'll be taking the corner of Roman Reigns, objectively the sexiest man alive. Mm-hmm. Um, he smells great. I imagine, comes through the screen. Uh, and I feel as well that in recent months he has absorbed the smile of Bobby Lashley, making him objectively the most lovely wrestler as well on the roster. And I will be, of course, uh, not, not to lie, um, uh, not to exaggerate or anything like that, but I did win the gold medal for debating in my school. Okay. So uh, I did win a trophy that was then taken away from me under false pretenses. And as far as I'm concerned, when I'm looking at Joe Graham, I'm looking at Adam Biblo, I'm not going to be looking at any two lovely people with rubbish opinions about the Shield. I'm going to be looking at debate opponents. Mm. and I will debate the fuck out of you guys. Well, we're on. We're ready. We can handle it. Clearly. I'll tell you why I almost didn't handle doing the research for the Steve Austin Revisited episode. That was honestly one of the most trying things ever. Joe had major nose surgery recently. <laughs> and, well, while you were doing that, I was in a hot room reading about the horrible mistakes that Steve Austin has repeatedly made in his personal life. Mm. And you couldn't even tell me about it. No, I couldn't. Because you tied yourself to your own... Petard, is that the expression? I think hoisted is what I did. I'm going to change it to tying it to your petard. Okay. You tied yourself to your own petard by... <laughs> petard. I did a top spot off the petard. Off the petard. It was incredible. It's the hardest part of the uh, the ring. <laughs> by, by saying that you have to save everything for the episode. Well, it's come back to bite you in the ass, hasn't it? It is. And we're going to be revisiting all of our of episodes so we're going to be going back kind of sequentially we said we're going to do the Hulk Hogan episode once we figure out what exactly is going to happen because no one really seems to know what's going on there at the moment um, <laughs> or what the plan is uh, more on that I guess at a, at a later date but yeah if you become a $5 backer now you get access to everything you get access to all those pay-per-view reviews you get access to the How To Revisited series as well you get all the back catalogue and as well as that every single month you'll get at least one new pay-per-view and you'll get a new Revisited that's every month guaranteed and on top of that as well you can do things like request episodes or hire myself or Joe to do impressions or voiceovers whatever you'd like oh <laughs> you want me to do a Steve Austin impression don't you listeners yes that's exactly what you do what <laughs> that's the extent of my impression boom easy peasy lemon squeezy stone cold says so oh wow you're getting good it's a friendly neighborhood uncle stone cold <laughs> Steve Austin so yeah consider becoming a backer over on Patreon and and enjoy this free review of SummerSlam 2018. Joe, you and I stayed up to the wee hours of the morning, expecting this to be one of those shows that ran over considerably, but actually ended 
You know what? It's a good thing when you start off pay-per-view and you go, well, it ended on time. <laughs> hey! On time. Not bad for a six-hour show. Six hours. Oh, boy. I feel for the people in those audiences. Your butt would be so sore because you know those seats are awfully uncomfortable. Like We went to a progress show a while ago and that was seven hours mm. of like legitimately fabulous wrestling that emotionally involved and invested everyone in the crowd. And afterwards, I was literally like, I didn't bring enough food to I have to make omelettes now really quickly when I go home to get the nutrition. How do you survive seven plus hours and queuing and all that in the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn? I honestly don't know because it's not like WWE like you bring in bags and stuff, do they? So you can't even bring in like a picnic. Oh God, a picnic in there. That's what I would do. Seriously, because the old cinema swirl were always going on about like what people can sneak into mm. a cinema. Bring in a rotisserie chicken to a wrestling show. <laughs> Carve that Split bad boy up, up like. Share it with your nearby seatmates. I'm just saying, you know, Joe and I are the objective kings and queens of sneaking food into a cinema. Mm. We have snuck in picnics before. What have you snuck into a wrestling show? I'm asking not you because I know, know you're asking me I've never done any yeah. sneaking to wrestling shows really but I mean you don't get patted down when you're going into the movies you know if no. you could sneak anything into a wrestling show I would be impressed if I could sneak anything to a wrestling show food wise mm. I would sneak in exactly what we did into the cinema that one time I'd bring a cheese board and a bottle of wine because <laughs> that was great it was. And you could then throw cheese at the wrestlers that you don't like. Oh, you know? that's horrible. Smelly cheese for smelly wrestlers. Something liquidy like a poise. Oh, man. You bring in that hardcore cheese knowledge here. That's <laughs> what you get by becoming a backer, background patron. You get Joe's hardcore cheese knowledge. Like that deli experience. I used to work out. at an award-winning cheese deli. Is so, it, you know. A, my... Is that called a cheesery? Like... <laughs> it's called a delicatessen. Okay. Well, let's start things off. We had... A rematch for the Intercontinental Championship as Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler teamed up to beat the fuck out of that stupid clock from last month. That was a fun one, wasn't it? No, it uh, Now, have you gotten over clock gate? No. Honestly, I'm really surprised that they decided to start off the show with this match, given that last match. I thought it was a uh, the medicine that this sickness deserved in that you ended the show last time and it had a... Uh, the timer on it and everyone turned on the timer and started counting down and it upset the wrestlers. Mm. This time as we start things off, you've got the returning Dean Ambrose and his many muscles coming out as well. you got Drew McIntyre there as well. You've got a lot of intrigue. People popped big for seeing Dean come out and no one had a clock to count down to. So that's how you remedy this situation as far as I'm concerned. I still think it's risky business. I I am shocked that there wasn't any counting down because I honestly wouldn't put it past wrestling fans to start off SummerSlam by counting down during a Seth match. I think if this came literally the second match or later, there was a genuine risk of that. But solely because it was the first match. There was a lot of this tonight. There was a lot of Vince McMahon, the magician, with his misdirection. I'm not sure it's Vince. It's called ratcheting, pal. You know, you think you want to count down, but here's Dean Ambrose. Where are my hands? You didn't even see him. Here's your card. Yeah. (laughs) It was very, it was, the magician was at work here tonight as far as I'm concerned. You don't think it's Vince? I don't think it's Vince. Why? Don't think Vince is clever enough in that way. Yeah. He's not sneaky enough. I don't think he understands enough about manipulating a WWE audience that Mm. way. To me, if I had to guess, 
anyone who'd come up with like obviously it's going to be like some kind of council setting where there's a boardroom of people trying to come up with ideas but if anyone's going to shout up an idea like that i reckon it's paul Heyman. you reckon paul Heyman's gonna anytime it's a good idea now you just put it onto paul Heyman. yeah it's totally unfair to everyone else but <laughs> well in fairness so anytime there's something that kind of sleazy happens or really untoward you blame him as well so he gets the kind of both ends of your prejudgment and this is like sneaky like some of the stuff they did in this show was quite sneaky sleight of hand stuff. It was, and I, I was impressed. It was one of the best things about this show was that I thought that they were so good at carefully pulling the wall. And I think this is a show that was quite well received as a result. I don't think anyone was really complaining that much. And for a show headlined by Brock and Roman, yeah. that's pretty, pretty good stuff. Maybe they brought in Matt Ricardo, the magician. Ah, yes. And that's why. Yes. We're all fooled. The fastest hand in the West. Exactly. Like. Well, Seth Rollins in an interview last week, and this is, I don't know if I should tell you this or not, but he was asked how, it, how he felt because of the countdown and the clock and all that stuff. And he said it made him sad. I'm not surprised. And it was like, the, head, the headline was like, Seth Rollins feels sad about match. I go, oh, I bet. Just take it out. Kind of, he's like, yeah, man, I feel sad about that match. He's like, oh, Seth feeling sad. Great, they've ruined wrestling for Seth and clocks. Now, every time he needs to check the time, he'll be sad again. Oh, man. You need to get some sort of, like, immersion therapy for Seth. Like, should have had him and Dolphin, like, a clock match or something like that. Clock on a pole. No. For a person to hit someone ten times over the head with a countdown timer wins. This match was... A lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And it did make me forget almost entirely all about what came last month and all the silliness. I thought these guys had a super fast-paced, fun match. Dolph Ziggler has got the worst hair in wrestling currently. Um, I would want to know if you had any thoughts on his long blonde locks he had going on. Kind of a like a young Jared Dapperdew squeezed into the body of an older Jared Dapperdew. I don't know who that is. He's a famous French actor with oh. straight hair like Dolph Ziggler has got at the moment. I see. So, yeah. I hate Dolph Ziggler's hair. Yeah? Uh, I'll tell you what I do like, though, is Dean Ambrose's outfit. Oh, yeah. I mean... He came in kind of dressed like Bruce Willis, if Bruce mm. Willis was a member of The Shield. His arms are so big. I love it. He, I know everyone's been saying this, but he does look like Triple H now. Yeah, he does. He looks like um, the kind of, not right now, but a few years before Triple H did the big beard. Mm. You know, before Triple H started his Tommaso Ciampa cosplay. I think he is. He's like Triple H of 2014, pretty much, with the short goatee and the short, short hair. But he wrestled on Raw after this, and he does all new moves, yeah. all power moves. I think we've often talked before about the term of a wrestler glowing up and mm-hmm. I, I put it to you Glowmaster Graham mm. has Dean Ambrose glowed up in his eight months off of course he has which is why Adam has an easy job now when he comes on our revisited episode of The Shield because like previously I would have argued quite hard against Dean being most handsy because he had the the well, what were the, the things against him? I'm thinking the hairline straight away the oh, bad fringe the bad hair now there's nothing wrong with going bald okay mm? Balding is not an inherently unattractive or negative thing. The trouble is, is when people are in denial about that fact. And Dean Ambrose, sadly, was in denial about his receding hairline. You think his lunatic fringe was actually oh, masking was a greater so pain? so bad. Because it looked great when it was styled the way it was supposed to yeah, When he comes out with it over his face, it's it looked like, whoa. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But then as soon as he started wrestling, it flew out of his face and suddenly it was like, all the more obvious. It's like the effect, because it's a massive issue I have at the moment 
is a lot of the, the, the women on the roster have got absurdly mm. long hair. That, oh, yeah. You know, and it's kind of... Charlotte comes out and she looks like a fucking golden god because she's got <laughs> this perfect hair. And then, like, two moves and all of a sudden she's got, like, what appears to be, like, washing hanging out of her hair. Mm. So this long, horrible business. Hair, like, doesn't behave in wrestling. Like There's too many expectations, I think. Mm. The, the beauty expectations of hair and wrestling is very unfair, I think, on the wrestlers themselves. I think there needs to be more... More people going bald gracefully. You know, if you if your hairline's receding, there is no shame in shaving that shit off and rocking some stubble, okay? Baron Corbin did it, and he looks awesome. Dean Ambrose did it, he looks awesome. But he's not shaved it off now, he's just cut it back tight. He, that is a shave. I mean, that's shaved. Mm. It's very short, it's not... He's not, he's not a bald-style haircut like big Baron Corbin, though. No, 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 he's not shaved, like, to a one or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. But it is still... It's still shaved. It is. It's, it's tight. It's tight. It's tight. And it looks good. It's very short and I like it a lot. Do you like his new grey jeans as opposed to the yeah. regular bootstrap denim that he was wearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. So yeah, he's got a good look going on here. And I you know, I, I love this match. I really did. I thought these two were tainted forever as far as I was concerned after last month. And the spot that they did, because Seth does that... He does a big suplex off the top rope and he holds on and he picks him up and then he does the the, the slam, the falcon arrow. And he did a reverse suplex off the top rope and held on and did a reverse falcon arrow. Seth Rollins, I'm going to say it right now, is very much living out ideas for moves that he would have done as a kid with action figures. And there's a lot of wrestlers I think are doing this now because he's following the logic of a child who would do this kind of crazy cool like wah and it's like mm, I've done it 1900 times now now a reverse one next he'll do it through four tables off a ladder to the outside and then after that he'll do it out my window which is where my Shane McMahon figure went and fly into space <laughs> he missed the table it was absolutely awful he had to get retired after that Aww. I love this match it was fun I don't know about you what did you think yeah I really enjoyed this match it was really fun it's great to see Dean back looking so well yeah and how about the reformed shield now as well love it Ooh. love it I uh, have some fantasy chair booking oh yeah please tell me okay it's a from bit your wild. fantasy chair my, I'll get into my fantasy chair. Well. So what I would do is I would have Dean and Seth try and reunite the shield for real, officially, with Roman. Mm. But meanwhile, Paul Heyman, having now left the employ of Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. tries to team up with Roman Ooh. as a heel, obviously. Paul Heyman has to be a heel. And he can be like tempting Roman, like, ah, you don't want to reunite with the Shield. Remember when Seth betrayed you? And think about how successful you've been since, you know, you've not been in the Shield mm-hmm. or whatever. And then Roman can have this whole sort of internal battle with himself as to whether he joins the Shield and becomes a good guy or joins Paul Heyman and becomes like a, a heel. And then he joins the Shield, but betrays them to actually join Paul Heyman. Oh, so you're basically saying that Roman's going to have an option between being the good guy in the Shield, yeah. and the bad guy. Yeah. I think he'll go for the third option and just be the, the guy. guy. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the wrong option, okay? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and some of y'all don't like that. <laughs> you last month figured out that the monthly pay-per-views on the network are a good time to do some skincare because you've got many, many hours. It's right at the end of the night. Even if you're in the US, you're still you know, going to bed afterwards, assumedly. 
Were you keeping up with your tradition of skincare during SummerSlam? What hot tips can you help us wrestling fans who definitely have bad skin and need help? So my plan going into SummerSlam this year was to come up with a evening skincare routine based around the length of the pay-per-view. Because if you want to do a full evening skincare routine with all 10 or so steps, it can take hours, especially if you're using a sheet mask. Those things are like 15, 20 minutes. So you kind of have to space things out and you've got the wait time between using certain products and things as well. So I thought this would work quite naturally. Yeah. Unfortunately, I forgot that this is wrestling and sadly, Vince McMahon and company don't give a shit about me planning my skincare routine very, very carefully with my skincare related puns to do with the matches. So I couldn't plan any of it in advance. Because you didn't know. You kept asking me the day before, like, what's what's the, the order of the matches? And I go, well... The people whose actual job it is would probably have a panic attack if they had to answer this question for you now in the evening on the Saturday before SummerSlam. So I hazard to guess that Roman and Brock was going on main, mm-hmm. and maybe Ronda and Alexa would kind of go on the main, you know, the, the first half, the mm-hmm. main event of the first half. But yeah, I think as you've now realised, you have to do a lot of this on the fly, your skincare. That's a pretty pretty scary uh, prospect, is it not? With skincare, you have to use the products in the right order or else you are at risk of causing more, more harm than good. And I wanted to tie in the products to the matches. <laughs> right. Because I thought that would be quite a clever thing to do. Yeah. Like, you know... I don't know, tie a moisturiser into... Well, I did. I ended up tying the, the, the night cream into the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match, which just works well because they're the heavy hitters and it's the nightmare. Yes, like see, everyone, puns. it is a pun, the nightmare. Thank you, Joe, skincare <laughs> and pun expert, for confirming that independently for me. You need a big cream for the big dog. <laughs> Unfortunately, I couldn't do that, so I had to kind of do it on the fly. Mm-hmm. So some of the puns were really bad. And okay. They were, they were reaching. So you will admit when you're reaching. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Sure. So first up, in ode to the very oiled hair in this match. Mm, you got a lot of greasy hair, except for, for Dean, I guess. Well, we call it oil, not grease. Grease, okay? oil, yeah. Because they've, they've added it rather than it just accumulated. The grease that was not on Dean Ambrose's hair mm. was on Dolph Ziggler's body, yeah. I think we could say. There was four heads worth of oil there. And One Seth, of them happened to be on a body. Seth and, and Drew both mm. have quite oily hair. Incredibly oily mm. hair. So... That's how I tied into our first step, which was an oil cleanse. I see, which is obviously what they were all doing, was cleansing through oil. Yes. I see, when you do that, you're going to make people think you're reaching. <laughs> when you say things like that, they'll think I'm reaching. <laughs> I was quite clever with the, the comparison of oiled hair to an oil cleanse. But... That's true. Well, I mean, you're just fortunate in that sense that you had some of the oiliest wrestlers on the roster in that first, in that first one, you know? Or I'm just really clever. Yeah. And good at skincare related puns. <laughs> Coming up next, we had the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships on the line as B Squared, the Bludgeon Brothers, Luke and Eric, took on the New Day, the combination of Big E and Xavier Woods. This was a match that came as a result of a long old tournament that they did to, scri- to define new number one contenders. It was a bit weird that we ended up having. New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers again because the Bludgeon Brothers first came on by destroying the New Day and killing them 
but they had another go at it anyway. I'm very happy to see the bar back, though, on SmackDown. Oh, yes. Those are some good boys. They are good boys. Now, Joe, you are a mad big fan of wrestlers pursuing outside projects and endeavours, and we've not yet had a chance to talk about... Celtic workouts with Seamus. Oh, yeah. I was going to do it as a This Week I Learned in Wrestling, but wasn't really interesting enough. <laughs> so you get right here. This is where the, the, the scraps end up like a yeah. would-be segments. What's Seamus up to on YouTube then? So he has a YouTube series where he works out with people, sometimes other WWE superstars, mm-hmm. and sometimes, like in this occasion, in, with his dad in his dad's shed. Which, you know... We watch our wrestling kind of clips on YouTube on the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays. Sometimes there'll be recommended videos and we're sitting there watching and it's like, oh, Seamus and his dad in a shed working out. That seems like pure, pure fun. Yeah. It was very awkward. It was. Unfortunately, Seamus's parents, or should I say his dad? Yeah, definitely his dad. Is not as charming and charismatic as maybe some people's parents. Oh, it was so Irish, this. I'm telling you this right now. Like, when Seamus, as soon as he walked into that house, as soon as I saw the house, I could smell it. Like, I could smell that house, what it was, exactly what it was like. And just the, the really nervous mother who's like, How are you doing, Seamus? You all right? Your, your father, your father, he's in the next, he's in the next room. So just be. We can't speak anymore, he'll hear us. She was literally carrying a, a plate of biscuits, Aww. which was very, very nice. And she obviously was quite keen to be, like, in the video. Mm-hmm. But no, Seamus wasn't interested in his mum. No, not at all. No, no. Not the mum who actually wants to be on camera, who would probably have something interesting to say about Seamus' childhood. No, Seamus. we've got to hear about his grumpy dad. Seamus, look, I mean, I've got all the school children from the local parish, and we've all come together, and we've cross-stitched this giant banner that says... We love Seamus, the son of Dublin. Yeah, it's all right. Where's Da? Da? Da, where are you? Da, you couldn't come over here and work out? What? Well, all right. What? Well, you're a wrestler now then, I suppose. Oh, who's this? Is that WWE, is it? Yeah. All right, come in. We'll work out. Oh, Dad, I've been working out quite a bit now. If you notice, I'm getting really big. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Now, what I do over here is I do this set. This is what I do. When I do it, um, I do the uh, amateur Ballymun bodybuilding over 50s championship there that's what I do oh that's great dad I won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship yeah I don't don't really care for that much Seamus I know you wouldn't even call him his, his actual name he's a horrible dad I mean he wasn't that bad he was that bad he was just a grouchy man who obviously resented the fact that his son is far more strong and successful than he is. Yeah, he was just a dad who resented the very nature of his son. That's why he was. Like, I, it was pretty clear that the reason Seamus went to go work out in his dad's shed with his dad was to give his dad a bit of an ego boost. Oh, it didn't work though, did it? Like, hey, come on, come on over here and you can see how big and strong my dad is. And then it was just Seamus being like really good at working out while his dad kind of got a bit tired and... Oh, and then they go for a bike ride at the end for some reason. A long bike. His dad keeps trying to do the things. It's like um, the the old men in Seinfeld who keep like, oh, let me show you how it's really done. And keep trying to do more and more mm. away. And he's like, now let's go for a 10 mile death bike ride. Like, All right, dad. Like, And you'd think with like a workout series like this, they'd have mastered the art by now of like montage workouts. No. No, you have to watch the whole workout in standard speed. 
just the whole thing, all repetitions of all moves. It was very boring. Not even set to music. Do what I want, right? I want to see the uh, the real life footage. Sneak a camera into Seamus's dad's shed. Let's see the real life footage as he works out to the late wee hours of the morning as his wife stays alone in bed and he looks at footage of his son succeeding in WWE, going, "No, I have to get bigger than him," mm-hmm. and really just be. It's a new day taking on the Blush Brothers. <laughs> For the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship. You're going to put people off this whole podcast because we've just spent 10 minutes talking about Sheamus, mm. who wasn't even in this show. I know he wasn't, but I mean, you know, he was... That's that's a weird thing. There was a lot of people who were missing from this show. Oh, yeah, wasn't a huge there? number of people who were missing. We've got Bobby Lashley. Where the fuck was he? Exactly. Remember last month, everyone was like, oh, yeah, Hogan raising the hand of Bobby Lashley. Well, they obviously figured out what was wrong with that plan. No Asuka either. No Asuka. No Bar. I mean, we do get Randy Orton with an asterisk beside it. So anyway, this match was fairly standard stuff. I mean, they had better matches before and they had a match on SmackDown after this, an ODQ match that was better. You know, it ended in a DQ, which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, I think. The yeah. Bludgeon Brothers taking their very light hammers. A lot of DQs this, uh, this show. Yeah, there was a lot of DQs. I think I'm like... As an old-timey fan, I think I'm, like, hardwired that if it's a DQ finish, I automatically, like, disregard the match. And I feel I'm doing that with this match. I don't know. For you, do DQ finishes piss you off? If there's too many of them, it feels weak to me um, from a narrative perspective. Because yeah. it's kind of like then admitting... A-, a DQ finish means that it's an unresolved ending. It means it's mm. got to continue. And when you've got three of those on one show, and that show is SummerSlam, and you know that the shows after SummerSlam are always a continuation of the feud pretty much anyway. And SummerSlam's meant to be the number two show of the year. Mm. So you think there'd be a little bit more resolution or, you know, mm, semi-resolution. No. Not not here. Not tonight. Now, the resolution came when Eric Rowan in this match, uh, I think he tore his triceps and still managed to have a match on SmackDown, that no-DQ match, which I must admit I was very impressed that he was able to, to do that. But yeah, the Bludgeon Brothers have lost their tag team belts. Eric's gone. And once again, our boy Luke Harper left out in the in the lurch, isn't it? Like, well, it's only a matter of time. It's What's he going to be a singular bludgeon now? No, I mean, you can't do that. A torn triceps, you're out for a while with that. I think so, yeah. Ah, oh, the Bludgeon Brothers gimmick wasn't very good anyway. Man, but he was doing well and Vince liked him. That's all that matters, you know? Well, maybe he'll be a singular bludgeon. Maybe. The bludgeon brother. Bludgeon man. <laughs> so in this match we ended up with a DQ finish, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't be looking after your skin. So how did one look after one's skin in this match, Joe? So after the oil cleanse of the first match, it's time to bludgeon away all that oil and residual dirt that may have built up on your face throughout the day or throughout watching wrestling all day if you may have, may have spent all day watching wrestling who knows mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's water based cleanser time ah coming up next we had a match for the money in the bank contract as Braun Strowman took on the person we're doing an episode about next Kevin Owens so you can let us know your thoughts on everyone's favourite prize fire your match recommendations your opinions and any funny stories using the hashtag HowToKevinOwens and this episode is going to be very special because I'm going to tell Joe about some of his escapades as Kevin Steen and Joe's going to tell all the new fans about his escapades as Kevin Owens and I think most of the tweets we've gotten so far from people are saying A he got them back into wrestling, or B, he's the whole reason why they watch wrestling in the first place. Mm-hmm. He's a very beloved figure, is Kevin Owens. He 
he's easy to love. He's Maybe. interesting and gives a shit. You wouldn't really have known from this match where he don't think he got any offense in whatsoever. No, this match wasn't really the best example of Kevin Owens. No. We just watched the 365 with Kevin Owens that goes from SummerSlam 2016 to 17. And like in 2016, he's like, oh, I'm not really happy with what I did. And in 17, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm a bit happier now, I guess. We'll see where we come next year. I don't know if he'd be so happy about this. No way. He was he was miserable teaming up with Chris Jericho at SummerSlam because it wasn't a singles match where he was like the top guy. E- so this, he will hate. I mean, I like the idea of these two having a feud and whatnot, but like... There has to be, you can't spend a whole, like, two months building up where it's like, ah, I'm going to outsmart you, or I'm going to, you know, they kept saying, oh, it doesn't matter how he loses, Braun, it could be a DQ or a counter. I figured he'd have some sort of plan, and he just came out and got beat up. Ah, is Kevin Owens the type of, I mean, some people think there's types of wrestlers out there, it doesn't matter, you can beat him a million times, and they'll, because they're such a good character or performer, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I think that works to an extent, but there will always be an end to that. Mm. Like that, that cannot continue forever. But my main grievance with this is that Kevin Owens is the type of wrestler who will put on the biggest fucking show of the year mm. if he's just given the opportunity to do so. And this is SummerSlam. I'm pretty sure he'd have been willing to jump off something very, very tall in order to get himself across. And get his, you know, if he did uh, jumped off something tall this month, it'd be three in a row, and he'd get uh, a free sandwich from Vince McMahon if he did that as yeah. well. So. <laughs> I don't know, it just seemed, yeah, it seemed sad knowing how much he wanted to be a big part of SummerSlam and mm. seeing what a small part he was instead. Yeah, and, you know, he tried to do as much as he could. I mean, he couldn't jump off anything tall, but he still put his body well on the line. Like, when Braun was running into him, he was doing these backflips and landing on his neck and stuff like that. He took a choke slam on the steel ramp for the two minutes, goodness, that it lasted. Not even two minutes. God, yeah. That's like, it's shocking. But I mean, hey, Braun's got to get over, right? I mean, eh. I I wasn't happy with this. I was looking forward to this match, and I feel this is the one that really left me kind of soured. Yeah, it's a real shame. I I love Braun Strowman, obviously, and Mm. I wish him every success, but I just don't think Kevin Owens is the right person to be the expense of Braun Strowman's success. I feel that Kevin Owens has been kind of hard done by in the last year or so, and I feel he needs a couple of wins, maybe. Yeah, and the rumour is is that Roman's first big defence is he's going to do a series with Kevin Owens going into the winter. Oh, really? Which... Kevin ain't winning. He ain't winning that line. No. You know that's. I hope they have a better idea in their head than to have a three-month-long feud, which ultimately ends with him losing lots, and to warm him up with that by having him lose in two minutes to a brawl. That's kind of a bit shitty. Yeah, I would have thought better of them. Maybe he pissed someone off. We'll never know. For this match, I thought I'd take a break from the facial skincare routine mm. uh, because I'm running out of skincare steps. There are so many matches on this show. Is it right to say that SummerSlam is harder because we had? 13 matches, hmm. which is, I mean, a 10-step, yeah, but a 13-step. Yeah. That seems like uh, you're pushing it then. <laughs> no, yeah, some of these are are reaching, as I said. <laughs> so for this one, we're, we're going to go by the words of the monster himself, and uh, we're going to moisturize these hands. That's the famous catchphrase. Yes. Moisturize these hands. Ah, moisturize these hands. I mean, that would be a great t-shirt. Just the hands. They moisturize these hands, like... Oh, and then, they have, like, a moisturizer on it. It would look like 
cum or something. The moisturizer amongst men. It will work. Hey, you know? clever. <laughs> Coming up next, triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Or can we start calling these three-way dances after yeah. our ECW episode? You like that terminology? I did. A three-way dance between Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Carmella. The whole story of this had been Becky Balboa getting them wins. Coming up after Money in the Bank, she'd been racking up all the victories, beating pretty much everyone in the SmackDown Live women's roster. Coming straight for Carmella, who she beat in the run-up to this. And then Charlotte Fair, who returned after an injury. I believe she had an issue with her implants of some sort. And then she was added into the match. And kind of straight away, everyone was like, this fucking sucks. This is meant to be Becky's moment. Charlotte has been put in. Charlotte is very easy slips into that Roman Reigns mindset, I think, with fans. Because mm. they're so obviously the anointed one. Yes. And then I think her surname as well, I think, amplifies that with certain Absolutely, members. Absolutely, yeah. There's people out there, I think, who genuinely think that Charlotte is only where she is or only has any position at all. Because, because of her dad. Yeah. Which is totally unfair. But then I, I feel the same way about people who say that Roman's only where he is because... Well, I mean, okay, that's slightly different, maybe. Because Charlotte is genuinely, like, such a talented wrestler. And although Roman is a is a great wrestler, he hasn't got that innate ability the way that Charlotte does. So it's not really a fair comparison, I suppose. And regardless of who your family is or are, they can only do so much. Oh, In, yeah. You know, it's... There is plenty of times... I mean, it'd be a great episode for us to do someday to look at, like, nepotism in wrestling. Mm. And there's plenty of times where that's happened. But I'd be willing to bet that you could probably find just as many instances of wrestlers failing, even with the advantage of nepotism on their side. Oh, yeah. Then there are those who have succeeded. Look at Ric Flair's, you know, other children. Like, for like, you know, that that's literally it. Mm. You know, I'll say what I'll say to what John Cena said to, to the Bella's brother, which is, I'll get you one thing. I'll get you an opportunity. I'll show you around and I will introduce you. That is all I can do. And like that's you know that's that's the blood bond of a Bella with a Cena you know mm-hmm. that's that's proper stuff. So I mean, if Charlotte was legitimately rubbish, she wouldn't have gotten an opportunity. No. And even if she was the rubbish and got an opportunity, she certainly wouldn't be main eventing pay per views and stuff like that. Like, yeah, no, they no. like her for a reason. But I would be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed that she was added into this match. Yeah, same. I absolutely love Charlotte, but I agree it, it wasn't really. I know it's difficult now in hindsight of with everything that happened, obviously Becky Lynch turned heel. Mm. But like, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to say whether or not it was the right call to add her in. It allowed for Becky's heel turn, but in some ways I think I'd have preferred if Charlotte hadn't been added and Becky just won. Because Carmella has been, you know, I think Carmella after last month, she had officially reached the moment where it's like, right, you have to, she has to drop the belt now. Because mm. it's kind of, when you do that kind of screwy, they always come up with a a way out or they always come up with a screw way to keep winning and you had to come back and bring back James Ellsworth you know it. there's only so much more they could do so it felt like she had to lose at this point on the big show and then move on to someone else and it would have been the greatest feel good moment if Becky Lynch you know won this match and like, even if you had like an Ellsworth or someone come out and Becky still won mm. it would have been the greatest feel good baby face vindicated moment which you can't really get anymore because I think we said a lot on this show that Becky Lynch is like the pu- one of the purest baby faces in wrestling. Yeah. Like her alongside Sami Zayn. But much like Sami Zayn, it ended up being so entertaining, this heel turn, that I'm kind of on board with it now. I don't know. It's too soon personally for me mm. to say. We've only seen one promo and it honestly didn't do much for me. Mm. So, I mean, is she even a heel? Some would argue 
you know, Charlotte kind of stole the victory here in the sense that, you know, Becky had Carmella beat and then Charlotte had kind of zipped in and quickly won. And then as soon as Becky attacked her, the crowd went fucking ballistic chanting, yes, big, big pop. I mean, is she a bad guy? I mean... Well, then you've got to come to a philosophical debate on what makes a heel a heel and what makes a face a face. I think WWE just want reactions now. I don't think they care if you cheer or boo as long as you go, ah, that's all that matters. Mm. Well, they got a reaction. Yeah, they certainly did. So you're on the fence about heel Becky. I want to see where it goes. To be honest, if she's going to be a heel, I'm of the opinion that she needs to take it as far as physically possible. So my oh, yes. my opinion with, with all faces that then become heels is the bigger a baby face you are, the further you have to fall in order to get a proper reaction from your audience. So you have to become like, the gooder you are, the more evil you yeah, have to come. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like Sammy was like one of the most absolutely pure baby faces and then became one of the most despicable, vile, grotesque heels. Yeah. Becky needs to do the exact same thing. She cannot be a vague heel who keeps talking about the fact that she was wronged and the fact that she hasn't been given the opportunities because that's just like, mm. that's just true. That's just her hating Charlotte, which from most people's perspective, it's like, yeah, I can see why you hate Charlotte. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah, I think it needs to not be about Charlotte. Really, you have to take Charlotte out of the equation and if Becky still comes across as a, as a heel, then mm. that's much more effective than if it's only in context to Charlotte. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, coming up to our next pay-per-view, which I believe the, the women's pay-per-view actually, coming up to the women's exclusive pay-per-view, uh, WWE Evolution, which is something we were hoping for and we're getting, that's a really hot feud though, you know, you've got like two best friends, you know, locking up, that's going to be fucking awesome, I'm really excited, because I was worried with this Evolution pay-per-view that we're just going to get a lot of like, oh yeah, they're bringing someone back, or that's a, that's nice, or you know, these are just some kind of nice matches where you can kind of reflect on the history of women's wrestling, but what sells pay-per-views or gets people interested is proper feuds. So I'm really glad we're getting a real proper fucking feud here. Are we? Or will they be sent to therapy? <laughs> because that's the thing. Like, the women's roster doesn't always get proper feuds. No, but Charlotte Flair will, I think is safe Maybe. to say. I don't know. If Dr. Shelby gets another call, then 2018's been a good year for, for friendship therapy, let's just say. <laughs> I want to point out as well, um, who's probably going to get lost in a shuffle from all of this, and this always happens when you've got like a, a screwy heel and then you get passed over and there's a new heel in town, which is going to be Becky. Uh, Carmella did awesome in this mm. match and she has improved so, so, so much. I think we say it pretty much every time she's on screen. But yeah, I hope they don't forget about her now that she's not champion and she's not like the top heel because she's great. I'm hopeful that she won't let them because she's so good mm. and she knows how to come up with like really interesting angles and storylines as well and she's very good at keeping her character fresh and developing it if it feels like kind of like it's stalling a bit so i'm i'm really excited actually and i hope she sees this as, as a challenge i want to know your opinion on the there's kind of a promo that happened recently and some people loved it some people didn't like it i want to know what your opinion was on it where carmella was accused by charlotte she said you're a diva living in the era of women and then carmella's like you damn right i'm a diva and she was like, she wants to own that old shitty branding. What's your thoughts on that? Because I, for what I love that, I think it's a great way. Like, not everyone should do that. I think Carmella can do that, maybe. Mm. I like the idea there'd be one person who's like, likes this fucking shitty branding. And, you know, if they had their way, they would go back to being like modeling and photo shoots and kind of not having to wrestle as much. Oh, 
I have complicated feelings on that. Because mm, there's a rumor as well. You know, Maria Canellis, mm. she's been, she was pregnant. She's coming back training to return, hopefully for evolution. She's been doing all these posts on social where she's like, how dare these women like tear down the, the divas? Like, we're the ones who actually lay the table for you. And if it wasn't for us making these sacrifices, you wouldn't actually have, get to be women, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being a diva. I wonder if there is legs to that angle or not. I don't trust WWE to do it properly. <laughs> you don't sound thrilled by it. The thing is, if it was any other company, I would be thrilled because I think it has the potential to make for a really interesting, brutally honest look mm. at how far women's wrestling has come. But because WWE is such a... They like to rewrite their own history so yeah. many times and they have basically all the female roster's arms held behind their backs so they can't really do what they'd like to do. Mm. It's all going to be under WWE's creative control. Right, and it's yeah. all like, oh, you only really get to say what we allow you to say. So you don't think they're going to actually be like, yeah, say our branding was hurtful for 11 years. I don't think they're <laughs> going to be able to take it to its best natural conclusion. Mm. And like, I think you're right in that if anyone can pull off something like this, it's probably someone like Carmella. But I'm also really wary of the fact that this could very, very, very easily fuel an attitude of... Women who wrestled in a time when women's wrestling wasn't taken seriously. And therefore they shouldn't be taken seriously. They're bad people. Yeah. They're heels. And that the only women worthy of respect are the ones who are given the opportunity to receive respect. Mm. And that's not really fair, is it? You know what? I just have this image in my head I think is such a strong, brilliant image of Carmella you know, not getting the women's championship back and then coming out and being like, I don't need it because I've got this and pulls out the old butterfly belt. I'm the divas champion. I you know, I dare anyone to try and take this off me. It's got butterflies on it. <laughs> I just love the idea of someone trying to own that shitty branding, but I don't think WWE would ever let that happen. I don't know. Who knows? Hmm, Maybe. I don't know. I just think if you're going to do anything like that, it has to be part of like a bigger conversation about other elements of mm. women being mistreated in wrestling, and I don't see WWE ever, ever, ever acknowledging any of those. Are you excited for the women's pay-per-view? I am. I am excited, yeah. It's going to be fucking impressive, I think. I think so, yeah. They've... Some really exciting names announced. Yeah, I'm very excited. I hope they don't just continue doing like what they're... Because they've already announced like Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus. I know, they did it on freaking... dumping it out there. social media, yeah, without any kind of feud or angle or anything. And apparently Ronda and Nikki got kind of leaked because someone like someone took a picture at like one of the shows at the weekend and they could see like someone had the graphic like a, a backstage person had like an iPad out or something like that and they could see it and they're like oh let's just get ahead of it and we'll we'll leak it now fuck that shit like you like Tris Stratus is like is there he's one of your few established women legends yeah fucking give her an angle for fuck's sake but like. you'd never treat a match with like I don't know I'm trying to think of an old ass male, like Goldberg. Yeah, no, honestly, with Goldberg dropped on Twitter. But uh, yeah, it's like it's a massive star in this like in this area who's been brought back after years and with no pomp and circumstance. They would never, ever, ever do that with any of the men. Like no, they wouldn't. No way. They wouldn't like unless it was unless they weren't going to wrestle. But like yeah. she is going to wrestle, and it's a fucking dream match. It's Alexa Bliss who. Yeah, you know, we mentioned several times way back we in earlier episodes talking about NXT and stuff, like how she took a lot from early Trish Stratus. Like there's such a crossover there. It's yeah. such a great story. Don't Fantastic story. Can announce it on Twitter. But God. they they always seem to do this with the women. Always. There is another rumour is that because the tickets are going on sale like next week, 
that they want the ticket there to be a big run the tickets straight away and it's like let's announce the matches now so people are like wow let's go get these tickets as opposed to let's announce the pay-per-view put the tickets on sale and then have some feuds play out on tv and then people will buy tickets i think they want this to sell out Okay, but that's. A, I think it's. How a, can they not use that system with any of the other pay per views? Yeah, I know. Right? If it's such a magical formula. Hey, maybe if they get into this habit of leaking them all out so quickly, you'll be able to plan your skincare routine a that lot quicker. That actually would be great. Yeah, at least I can. Yeah, not so bad. Speaking of, what was your routine for this three-way dance? So now we're on to um, exfoliating. We need to exfoliate away the dead layers of skin on our face. Lovely. <sighs> Just like Carmella shed away her layer of dead skin, James Ellsworth. Oh. Boom. That's the most complimentary description of James Ellsworth I've ever seen. That's so bad. I know. I'm kind. <laughs> Coming up next, singles match for the WWE Championship. And a bit of a dream match for us who watched TNA way back in the day. Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Daddy's Coming Home. Oh, this is a scary angle. I love this match. This match, again, was another one that ended in a DQ but I felt it made sense given what happened. Yeah, this is a, an example of good storytelling with a DQ. It was unfinished business, it's yet to be resolved, and it's going to go on for a while. So, and yeah. perfect use of a disqualification. Oh, man, this feud, this feud was so like subtle, like what they were doing. Like They just did... They was just, it? Well, yeah, because usually when these guys are going to feud for the championship, they're beating each other up every week and they're in loads of matches. Samoa Joe literally had a letter-writing campaign. He came out every week. He's like, I've got a letter here from the member of the WWE Universe. And they're like the, 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 the final one is like the, his peak like of his letter-writing campaign was he got a letter from Wendy Styles, which... Leads in one of two possibilities. Number one, Samoa Joe legitimately started a correspondence with another wrestler's wife where he actually got her to admit through a letter writing campaign that her husband is a bad father and a bad husband and he's never home to tuck the kids in. Or Samoa Joe, scenario number two, spent all night writing what he thought would be a letter in the voice of Wendy Styles and how she would feel. And either, either way, Samoa Joe had to show a lot of empathy in this feud. He had to sit there and go, I wonder how Wendy Styles really feels about this. You know, let me think, looking at pictures of her on Instagram, like, what's going on behind closed doors there with uh, with AJ and Wendy? The only thing I don't like about this angle is the fact that we don't know which of those two scenarios this is. And oh, I God, I hope it's not that she's actually, like, turned heel, like, you know. I just, I just, I, I feel we should know if, which way that is, because that makes a big bearing on the story. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they haven't even bothered to establish whether or not it's actually her sending these letters or if it's just Samoa Joe writing them. <laughs> I think that's kind of lazy. I mean, there was like, he, at the start, he, Joe pointed out that the, the kids were in the audience with the wife and he's like, you know, he let them know that daddy's coming home later on. And then later on, when he was beating up AJ, he told them that he'd be their new daddy. Sexy. He's going to adopt them all, which is... That's a power play right there. That's, that's getting into Raven levels of, of shit right there. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, AJ Styles, I've got your many children. Like, <laughs> he's going to get he's going to get tattoos the day he adopted them all on his side. Like. I'm going to I'm going to beat you and I'm going to adopt your kids. It's like <laughs> ultimate heel move. Oh, man. And I'm going to give them the worst values. The absolute worst. I'm going like, to be a terrible father. Yeah. I'm going to make them play PlayStation, not Xbox, AJ. So, AJ, the next night on SmackDown was all like, Hi, man. I don't like people coming out for my kids, man. I don't like no." And then it's Joe choked him out. <laughs> grabbed the microphone and said daddy's gone night night no wait 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 it wasn't even that it was 
Kids, I know you wanted Daddy to come home and read you a bedtime story. Well, sorry. Daddy's already gone night-night. Love it so much. I love it, but I do... Yeah, I do wish that AJ Styles had just had, like, a single line in there to clarify whether or not it's actually a letter from his wife. (laughs) Maybe AJ's, like, you know, his mail's redirected somewhere and he's just really worried that his wife is, like, not doesn't know yet. Like, I've missed so many birthdays, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this, because, you know, these are two people who it's, like... They, they've wrestled so many times in other companies that they could have easily just said, it's Joe and AJ, it's a dream match, guys, and mm. just let them have at it, and that's that. And I'm glad that they're not resting on their laurels and not resting on the fact that these two have got great chemistry and they've got history. It's like, no, here's just a fucking great story. Like, you know, and they're telling it. And it doesn't matter if you've never seen these guys wrestle before. Know nothing about their backgrounds. It's just a great fucking story. Told well. And it's a simple story as well. I think it could have very easily been a terrible story done badly though if it had involved anyone but Samoa Joe yeah imagine if the roles were reversed AJ yeah. Styles was trying to do daddy gone night night guys how do you think about that hey, I know you say you think your daddy's gonna come home now but he's taking a plane to Samoa and idiot right it's a flat earth he's falling off the edge of the earth he ain't coming home no more how do you think about that huh you guys wanna play Mario Kart like honestly no one could pull this off no. other than Samoa Joe so he, he fucking is creepy. the only one Maybe Kevin Owens, actually. But, like, even that is hard to do. Like, Samojo is perfect for this. He's so, so scary. And he manages to make something like this, which is... It's quite silly, the idea of defeating your opponent and starting a letter correspondence with your opponent's wife and then threatening to adopt his his children. To the point where they will disqualify themselves in a match. Yeah. Yeah. That is very silly. But Samojo doesn't make it seem silly. He makes it sound scary it's because of his facials and he fucking owns every bit of verbiage he's given like and the whole setup as well with his his finishing move being the sleeper hole oh yeah that's again it it only works because of that terrifying finisher you know he will put you to sleep and we've seen it many times before of wrestlers that you just collapsing in the ring and how he's made that hold so scary like, yeah. it's just it's literally just hugs you from behind like you're perfectly safe but he does the fucking fa- he does that weird face mm-hmm. he makes those fucking horrible noises it is a, a, it's one of those over finishers at wrestling at the moment I tell you what between Samoa Joe and Shayna Baszler yeah. I am so frightened of sleeper holds now oh boy please don't put me to sleep <laughs> um <laughs> I see this feud and then I just want Samoa Joe to be in a feud with anyone who's got a reality show. Like him and Daniel Bryan, if you could really dig in deep. Or him and The Miz. Or him and The Miz. Or him and John Cena. Just go in deep and be like, I've watched all of season two of Total Bellas. And I've got some shocking things, because none of you watch it, about Daniel Bryan that you may want to see. Here he is shaking the hand of Johnny Ace. Boo. I would do it slightly differently and I'd have him feud with John Cena, but still do the reality TV mm. show angle. Oh man, Joe's a fucking gift. An absolute gift. What were the skincare steps in here? Keeping in mind that this is a very emotional angle, so it can't be anything too heavy going at this point in time. I tried to come up with a, a good pun for this. Okay. And couldn't. So you came up with a bad pun instead. Hey, what the fuck? It can- was four in the morning. Can AJ Styles atone for his absent parenting? Now it's time to use a toner. 
Now, that is... Alright, yeah, on its own there, right? That seems like it was a bad pun. But that was a Hail Mary, folks, alright? And it, it was thrown, and you caught the ball. So that's, you know... Hail Mary's only as good as the person who catches it, folks. That's all I'm saying, okay? So, None of that makes any sense to me. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah? <laughs> Coming up next, we had two more precious gifts... The Miz, star of Miz and Misses, which I'm really excited for us to, to watch. Oh, yeah, definitely. Already been renewed for a second season. Taking on Daniel Bryan. This was the match which had been hyped up. This is the one that Bryan said should have probably been kept for WrestleMania. This is the match which, all throughout Daniel Bryan's run as general manager, we thought, why are they keep alluding to this feud? Why does Miz keep doing all these promos, doing all this stuff? And here it is, it all finally gets paid off. These two had a fucking awesome match that played off everything from way back from their start in NXT all the way through to the general manager stuff, all the way through to Daniel Bryan attacking Miz on the set of his reality show. I adored this. This was basically like one of those few times in wrestling where it's like, you stuck it out for the long haul. There you go. Good job. And I felt like the wrestlers got to enjoy themselves yeah. and all the fans got to enjoy themselves. That Miz promo that he did, the famous Miz promo on Talking Smack, I remember being like so enamored with it but being so frustrated going, we're never going to get this match. And we have. Do you think that they both thought at the time, yeah, he'll no. he'll be back? I think Daniel Bryan thought that. I don't know about the Miz. Oh. How could you think that about... It's like almost cruel at that point to be like, yeah, he's definitely going to be a wrestler again someday. Like, that's so unlikely to happen. Mm, like, it it's a miracle that Daniel Bryan is able to wrestle today. Find myself already taking it for granted. Oh my God, Kevin, stop. I, <laughs> I'm not. And but I like, didn't even have him before I started watching wrestling. Like, Ugh, he was gone already by the time I was here. But like, honestly, Daniel Bryan, he's like a pair of like lovely slippers that you just slip back into. It's like, yeah, Bryan wrestling every week. It makes sense. It's the way it should be. Like, you know, it just, it feels so right. It's like, I kind of feel like it, it, it was never gone. Like watching the clips back of this, it's like, Bryan was general manager with Shane McMahon. Like, what? See, now for me, that that's the normal. Yeah. Because like, I came in literally, I think a month after his last ever match, was it? I think you came in around the time where he had had to relinquish a bell for the second time. And he had come back for a little run and then it was like two months and then it was like, no, his neck is proper, proper fucked yeah. and he had to go away kind of forever. So yeah, you never got to see his proper run like no. him as a full-time wrestler yeah like, to me default daniel bryan is general manager daniel bryan which i know is upsetting to a lot of people but actually it's great for me because he's still so new and fresh and cool and because we did the episode on him after mm. his retirement it feels so special it's like i've somehow gone back in time and <laughs> solved his injury so that he could continue wrestling like oh it just it's a great feeling and i don't please don't don't just expect him to be there forever yeah when every he says, match he has is special he says he wants to wrestle till he's 70 years old great i hope he does that would be amazing he keeps altering his style as well like we've been saying like he keeps tweaking it to be lower impact you wouldn't know it from this match this was so fucking fabulous i adored adored this brian beat the shit out of the miz like miz had Properly, this chest. Uh, well. Oh, and like this the story. Like Miz, you're a coward. You're soft. You like you know you wrestle a soft style, and that's like coming up against Miz, who's saying like 
you know, you're a coward, like, because I wrestle this style and I've never been injured. And, you know, if you were such a brave person, you wouldn't have been general manager. You would have went off and wrestled in the indies. But no, you wanted to make money. And he's like, oh, they just had perfect counterpoints. So many times it feels like a heel is just like, yeah, no. No. Yeah, yeah Roman just, Reigns, a bitch. Yeah, that's it. It's just like they come out with this contrary, like for the sake of it. Whereas Miz is so articulate, and that's what makes him such a good heel. He's so fucking annoying, and you hate him, and you want him to be like just like not have a point. But he does. But you he agree always, with him. He does. He always. has a point always, yeah. and he's so successful. Mm. And he comes out and he's like, "I made the Intercontinental Belt relevant." He's like, "Well, yeah, you did. Fuck it." And it's like, you know, "I've got a hot <laughs> wife." Like, yeah, you do. Fuck it. Uh. Like, I've got a really successful reality show. Like, God damn it. Yeah, like, yeah those straight to DVD movies do make money in a roundabout way through rights and music. God damn it, Huey Bowles got a point. So I love that, and the fact that these two had a lot. They had a lot of time in this match. And I fucking loved it. They did trading Mexican surfboard stretches. The Miz pulled out some moves, which I didn't realise he was capable of. That's yeah. the other best thing about this whole feud. Even when Daniel Bryan was still injured and only general manager is, I feel like Daniel Bryan has made The Miz the best he can be. And I don't yeah. think that's, you know, it's not all Daniel Bryan, obviously. The Miz has worked so hard to do that. But I feel that Daniel Bryan lights some kind of fire beneath The Miz that shows yeah. him... Like, okay, I may not be the most athletic wrestler, but I can give something to this industry that, you know, not necessarily everyone else can. Well, fuck it. He can do a Mexican surfboard stretch. And that's the thing. He's come so far in, like, the last two years. I know there's, like, in kayfabe. It's, like, it's out of spite. He's learned how to do all of these moves. Yeah, he's, he's literally learned how to be a great wrestler <laughs> by parodying Daniel his Bryan. rival. Which is, like, such a cool story. Because, like, genuinely, The Miz wasn't a very good wrestler, what, three years ago? Yeah, I was He was just say. doing strikes and kicks and stuff. Like, who knows what he was actually capable of, but he certainly wasn't pulling out anything impressive in the ring. I loved... Because, you know, the Miz has been doing the, the Miz kicks, the it kicks, I should say, so the yes kicks. And, like, Brian's whole thing is that, you know, you're soft, you don't hit hard. And Miz, like, has him beat and prone. He starts doing his kicks, and Brian literally is like, you fucking... Come on, then. Like, kick me as hard as you can. Miz is like, ah, I can't kick any harder. <laughs> I love that. And the finish as well, where Maurice gave him something out of her purse, and he beat Daniel Bryan with just plain screwiness like that and you know that that was perfect storytelling because the Miz tried to go toe to toe the whole time but he had his backup plan and I love that it makes Daniel Bryan seem like he was the better wrestler Miz is a piece of shit and but still very good still very good and you know, he announced his retirement on Smackdown from ever facing <laughs> Daniel Bryan again I love that most of all the fact that the Miz realises that one of the best ways to get everyone excited for a feud is to deny them of it altogether oh man like of course the moment he says he's never going to fight Daniel Bryan again it's the only thing I want in this whole universe well I didn't know I wanted it but what I want now more than the whole universe is Miz and Maurice versus Bryan and Bray that's going to oh. be fucking brilliant Bring in the uh, the babies, do a six-man tag. I want uh, Birdie and Monroe Sky <laughs> Mizanin in there, you know? I really appreciated the fact that on SmackDown, you had Ms. Maurice dissing Brie Bella via Daniel Bryan being like, well, you should be called Daniel Bella. Oh. Which is like, you know, that that's rude. You know, he's he's her wife. Nothing, nothing wrong with taking your wife's surname. That's a bit demeaning to insinuate that's a bad thing. This is, is going to be the way with Mike Kanellis as a heel gimmick. Yeah, just, you know. exactly. Instead of what I think would historically have happened, which is just Daniel Bryan beat 
up the Miz. We had actual Brie Bella <laughs> run out <laughs> and beat the shout the Miz. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I love it. We're getting so much more into gender stuff now. Yeah, and I think at Hell in a Cell, it'll be very interesting to see what they do because I think that's a high-profile match. The Bellas are obviously only going to get attached to high-profile things and I think, yeah, if they're going to let anyone do some intergender stuff or you know, colour outside the lines a little bit, it'll definitely be a Bella and I'm very excited for that. Hey, that's great as well. Two women who have you know, been pregnant within the last year or so, mm-hmm. coming back into being a high-profile match. That's not usually how WWE had handled pregnancies in the past, no. so good job there. Bare minimum, everyone. Oh, yeah, I want to see this continue. I want loads more mothers in wrestling. Yeah. Because, honestly, short of Samoa Joe, there's nothing more terrifying than a, than a pissed-off mom. Yes, exactly. Um, although uh, Maurice didn't seem particularly pissed off when Miz no. pretended to throw their baby at Daniel <laughs> Bryan. But... Tell you what, I'm so excited for them to be in a... They are going to be in an actual Hell in the Cell match, right? Uh, it's at Hell in the Cell. I don't think oh, it'll be in... A... I, it may be. Imagine it may how be. cool the screeners would be with Miz and Maurice in a Hell in the Cell match. That'd be amazing. Oh, it'd be so good. I bet they hide weapons everywhere. Skincare routine for this one? So the next step is uh, to apply an F essence uh, an essence typically optimizes your skin's natural cell turnover rate which is a bit like daniel Bryan's work rate but for your skin ah very good see that one that works see Thanks, yeah a short one up next as finn balor took on constable baron corbin and this is kind of very much when you accidentally press your all-out super special screen clearing attack in the video game and you know you're meant to do a one-two combo Finn Balor did the demon gimmick for this, and that felt like the most overkill ever. <laughs> hey, come on! Hey, what, why did he need to do it? I, yes, Constable Corbin has glowed up, but he not glowed up into like you know an alter ego like you but know. But it's SummerSlam. Like I just assumed that the demon Finn Balor was one of those things that kind of like awoke on a blood moon but the blood moon is the big four pay-per-views i thought well he didn't do it at wrestlemania i know so i thought the the gimmick was when he the feud got to a point where the demon had to come out that's why i thought we bit but this is not he doesn't need that yeah. finn was smiling the whole time with the playpen was going on behind his eyes like i'm gonna go full fucking demon on you you motherfucker no one calls me short that is, it's obviously very fucking triggering for Finn to be called short. So he can wear his very tall hair. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you. He was all smiles and baby oil. But it was, Corbin got under his skin is what happened here. But yeah, he was the demon and then Corbin was like, I'm not going to fight a ghost. I don't understand. Right, so I... At first, I found it really funny that Baron Corbin was like, I don't want to fight a demon. And I signed up to to fight Finn Balor, not the demon Finn Balor. But then someone pointed out that demon Finn Balor has all the same moves as human Finn Balor. That's true. He doesn't do anything really that different. What's the big deal? I think demon Finn Balor is... uh, Is that a psychological thing? Yeah, as far as I know, demon Finn Balor is pretty much... um, He's got a psychological edge... He's uh, usually got more stamina, stronger. You know, he'll kick out more often, that type okay. of a thing. It's just kind of like, you know, a little bit of a gold tear he's got going on there. Right. And I honestly, that's what they had pitched it as being like when the few got to the point where he needed to do this. The last time we saw this is going to be when Bray Wyatt became Sister Abigail. Yeah, I know. Which we have been denied of. Baron Corbin didn't even get to have his own, his alter ego. That's Constable. Yeah, it's like, Baron, have you got a, a, an alter ego to fight Finn? Uh, yeah, it's called Constable Baron Corbin. And I've got a vest and a haircut. 
You sure? Yeah. You, you want help coming up with something better? No! I can come up with loads of ideas. What's wrong with Constable? It's because original Baron Corbin is the equivalent of the demon. He's got like the long hair and he looks kind of creepy. Yeah. He's got a shit tattoo that's yeah. like, you know, drawn on. I don't know. I, I don't like the the demon outfit most times. Him wearing a little sash and his that headband. I hate that headband thing. Yeah, like, okay, so my problem with it is... Obviously, it's not it's not for people like us. It's for kids. Yeah, it is. It's for kids. And and kids would love that shit. Sell toys and stuff, which mm-hmm. I get that. But I would at least like some element of consistency with it. Like, either make it so it's for the big four, or make it so it's always for, like, the most serious feuds, or, like, for the top, top opponents, or when the odds are really against their favour... And also, I'd like it if they did have a couple of different moves. For yeah, it needs to alternate it a little bit. I think what it might be is because they're moving out of Brooklyn for SummerSlam. Because they've done, last four years, they've done Barclays Center in Brooklyn. They've done NXT and then they've done SummerSlam. And he obviously, Finn, has been part of all of those original takeovers with NXT as the Demon. And he had his Universal Championship match as the Demon. So maybe it was just kind of... His little swan song to the to the Brooklyn fans getting to dress up as a big gob one night, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the match was it was it was nothing, you know, it was a one minute match or whatever it was. But Corbin, you can beat him a hundred million times. He's the acting general manager of Raw now, which I love. You've got the Shield reunited with Constable Corbin trying to run Raw. I'm so excited. Amazing. Yeah. I can't wait. And I want them to do... If you don't do this, be very disappointed. I want them to do, like, a Vince visits for, like, a job performance thing. Like, like the, you know, I hope everything goes well on my visit, Mr. Corbin. As you know, I am president, you know, of the United <laughs> States. Oh, don't worry, Mr. McMahon. I've expelled those losers from Shield Phi Delta, you know. And then they all get together to pull one over on him. I want pranks pulled on Baron Corbin. Yes, please. That would be amazing. He's so great at whining. Yes. Him going, Stephanie. It's, like, my favorite thing. The best thing about this match was the night after him complaining. There was lights and smoke and scary music. How am I supposed to wrestle with that? Like, um, fair point, man. Fair point. Skincare routine? Was it a short one for your... This one isn't to do with the face again. Okay. Uh, in Ode to Finn and his love of baby oil, it's a body moisturizing step. <laughs> so uh, coat them legs in some delicious baby oil and you'll be nicely moisturized. Joe, I've heard a lot about the skin benefits of using a crunchy peanut butter on the skin. Would that be something you'd recommend for this step? Only for advanced skincare lovers like Finn Balor. Okay. Dare rub peanut butter. And then even then you don't want to put it on your face. Abs only. Okay. Is it smooth, crunchy? Does it matter? I, I don't know, actually. I've, I've never tried it myself. I don't have abs. Uh, I suggest you send all peanut butter ab-related questions to Finn Balor himself. Well, he is the expert. Coming up next, singles match for the US title as Shinsuke Nakamura takes on Jeff, I don't want to do this a whole lot longer, Hardy. Jeff's brother, Matt, his pelvis is fusing to his hip. He is in serious, serious, serious dire straits. He's apparently at the moment, Matt, his contract is up in March and he's like shadowing various producers with the idea that he'll get a production role of some sort. Right. Matt Hardy's character is one that I think his verbiage is so good. He doesn't need to wrestle. No. He could have minions wrestle for him. But 
I'm getting really depressed watching Jeff Hardy wrestle. I hate the fact that he came out saying that he can't do the Swanton Bomb anymore because he's old and sore. And then he's done it like five times he since. He on the apron. Like, that's all I remember from this no, match. It wasn't even the apron. It was like an exposed apron, wasn't it? It was like... Right on the corner he yeah. did it. Yeah, it was fucking horrid. And then the next... On SmackDown, the, the next night... Did he it on did the table. onto a table. Like, it was... I'm not sure what it is, but I'm really annoyed because when the Hardy Boys came back, like, you know, WrestleMania before last, it was like a big, big deal. It was really, really exciting. And you were very, very excited because you'd seen a little bit of them Hardy Boys from some episodes and whatnot. And I think Jeff was someone who you Mm. had, you know, grown fond of. I know in our commentary episode, you got to watch that Jeff Hardy ladder match with eyes and without eyes. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he's just like, he's the prototypical slow beaten up wrestler who can't do what he used to do and it makes me miserable to see him like clearly in pain and clearly not being able to do what he used to do and if the news of his brother having to retire soon and wrap up and Jeff's response to that is like I'm gonna do the swanton bomb off the fucking you know off the top of the turnbuckle onto the apron Oh, why are you doing that to yourself, yeah, man? Yeah, I honestly understand. I, I think you're totally right with the um, on-screen character role. I think the Hardys could easily become non-wrestling managerial roles. Jeff's have... not as good speaking as the only problem. He doesn't need to speak. He just needs to be there. And look cool. Him next to Matt Hardy, that that's the look. That's all you really need is, is Matt Hardy talking and, and Jeff being there mm. with his beautiful face. I guess we're getting to the point, though, now, where it's like, how many non-wrestling roles are there for these... Oh, come on, there could be loads more if they just wanted to. I guess so. Because there's so many wrestlers out there who are good wrestlers, but not strong enough characters, or Mm. not strong enough on the mic, and they need someone who they could work with. You could easily do something like that. A manager or something like that. I don't know. It's just... That's all I could think about with this match, was Jeff Hardy. Why the fuck did you do that? I have the, the Hardy Brothers team up, form a stable of like you know b character people not Mm. like the b team obviously they're doing really well at the moment but like anyone who's kind of milling around not doing very much pick them all up then i'd start having them have fights in between each other like Mm. verbal fights like they don't get on anymore Mm -hmm. split up and have rival factions oh so hardy boy has got their own faction each Mm -hmm. i mean i'd go for fucking anything other than jeff going out here wrestling these matches because last month he had like the the five second match with with Shinsuke and I was like okay Jeff obviously can't go but this match it was 11 minutes long and he did very little like very very little he was doing the Matt Hardy delete thing every other move as well oh, it's yeah. not even your gimmick mates and yeah that, that Swanton I don't know if that's the last summer sign we see of Jeff Hardy I wouldn't be surprised that's sad it is really really sad it's not really fair either on, on Shinsuke who similarly is kind of approaching the end of his career now but he's not like he's managed to find ways to like keep oh of course they're, they're, they're two different situations entirely like yeah jeff hardy had to break his body to kind of do the stuff that he did whereas shinsuke's i think style of wrestling is well it's hard hitting on his opponent more than himself i mean he is he is broken down and worn down shinsuke yeah. but you wouldn't know it to the extent that jeff does maybe it's because i've not watched as much of his older stuff when he was in his prime or as jeff i can remember seeing jeff when i was a kid yeah and seeing him now it's just like oh man i just don't think it's a great idea to to have two wrestlers who are kind of tail end of the career teaming up with each other so much and they seem yes. to a lot of that at the moment yeah because who comes out at the end of this fucking match is old another man person old Randy man Orton. here he comes Willie fingers himself old dick hands off he comes I thought yeah maybe what they would do is have him come out and be like 
shake my hand. And everyone would be like, oh, no, and just walk away. Now, Randy literally came out, looked around, and then left. He must have been about to, to ask them to shake his hand after touching his penis, and he saw Stephanie and was like, <laughs> better not, I'll just leave. All I'll say about Randy Orton is, doesn't surprise me in the slightest, those allegations. No. And also, it, he fits exactly into the category of a type of person that I thought he was. Yeah. That fucking jock is what he is. The, I, I, you know, in my school, there was a rugby team that was given, you, you know, any school that has like a, a sports team that's kind of been told it's more important that you do well at this sport than do well in school. And your well-being is more important than the well-being of the teachers or the students or the actual grades. Hmm. Put on a pedestal, mm-hmm. goes to the head. And then they become fucking arseholes. It's exactly what Randy Orton is. Yeah. He basically was told from an early age that he's more important. And I'm not sure he's like... I've heard the you know, news. He's mellowed out. Da, 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 you know, completely different guy, you know, since he got married and had kids. And he was, you know, he got in very young. So he's very angry and all this shit. But there were writers have come out now who are working with that company a year or two ago. And they'll say, all I'll say is I never shook Randy Orton's hand. That's some of the quotes you've been hearing. So... What do you think they should do? They're saying they're looking into the matter. And him not getting a match on SummerSlam and it not being a triple threat, is that their way of saying, bad Randy Orton, historical, willy-touching weirdo. No, you only get to walk out in SummerSlam. You don't get a proper payday. Is that Was that it? I have no idea. I mean, I know very little about how WB handles historical abuse allegations as it is. I not well. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I would be surprised if this was taken seriously at all uh honestly i think stuff like this probably happens all the time i'm not excusing it mm. but just wrestling as an industry is full of people like randy orton he's one of their top top guys though and that goes out and i'm i'm surprised he didn't pick up any steam but like this is all the same stuff that i'm sure jbl has done in the past oh or way worse jerry lawler or and like, honestly the stuff that randy has done to other people this pales in comparison yeah. to some of the stories so i just i would be surprised given this company's history with those kinds of mm. issues if they looked at this and thought this was something worth spending time addressing i think they'll look at this and go but even if it's vince in charge of this company i don't yeah. think he's going to look at this and think anything other than boys will be boys yeah. <laughs> so what yeah well it was a really it was just perplexing his appearance there and i don't read the three of these linked up together is just really strange at the moment i don't like it no it's boring how about your skincare for this one though again this was a hard one to tie into the match because i was hoping that the jeff hardy match would end up tying into kind of the sheet mask step oh so you could do the the weird face yeah exactly because i was thinking how cool would it be if you had a sheet mask with like jeff hardy's face paint on hey because you get sheet masks with all sorts of patterns that's true that'd be cool animals on you get one for your eye you get weird little eye an eye mask mask as well Uh, is this step to clean out the holes where your extender Uh, things go i think i made you sick i'm sorry just made me sick no it's not that this step is for ampules and serums i can't tie it into this there's no way to do it other than i don't know anti-aging something to do with i mean i'm i'm really reaching ampules is the least of jeff's problems in this match i'll say stop doing the swanton bomb if it hurts you all the time said all of your fans jeff please for the love of god it's really really hard to watch at this point i'd like you to be able to hold your grandkids you know oh, 20 Jesus. years from now Okay, look after yourself, please. He's just gonna, you know, he's already sore probably every day. So, oh, like, I'm sure. You know, that's that's the reality with people. Like Matt and Jeff is a real like. That's the first group now where I've seen like kind of I've seen them since they were like literal literal children, not old enough to be wrestling, and now they're really 
breaking down. But just because you're hurting every day doesn't mean you have to make things worse. No. Come on. You don't have to keep doubling down. Like. No. Give yourself a break. Semi-main event time. Raw Women's Championship on the line as Alexa Bliss defended against Ronda Rousey. Natalia came out. She got an entrance at the start. Uh, Natalia's father, Jim the Anvil Nineheart, sadly passing away last week. And got a lot of very nice tributes from a lot of the female talent in Summer Sam. Yeah, this. it was really, really nice. I think it was, a, it was a classy move to let Natalia come out and get kind of a, an ovation from the crowd. The match itself... I think out of all of Ronda's matches so far, this is the one I like the least. I think that, like, I, her match with Alicia Fox, I love that. I thought it was really, really great. But I felt this one went a bit too far in saying that Ronda is awesome and the other women can't hang. Because like the last match with Nia Jax, it was kind of like there was a size, you know, discrepancy and there was kind of a story they were playing with someone who's quite large and Ronda never would have faced someone of that size in the UFC. Whereas this, it was kind of like Ronda didn't take Alexa seriously at all and like the spots where she was like, come on then, you know, put a move on me and Alexa's like, and she like just beats the shit out of her. It's like, where's the fucking, like, Alexa's literally been the top heel on Raw for over a year and before that she was the top heel on SmackDown for a year and she gets beaten in like, two or three minutes yep. like not not a fucking bother on her and I'm supposed to get excited for a Nikki Bella match you know I think Alexa Bliss is a lot more credible a wrestler than Nikki Bella is yep definitely and I don't know I just kind of feel this was missing something like maybe Alexa could have brought out like you know Mickey and Alicia her, her, her buddies and you could have done a big thing where loads of people try to run in and it's kind of like oh Alexa keeps getting an advantage because of the extra help but, like, Alexa had less help than Ronda. Ronda had Natalia in her corner. Alexa yeah. was on her own. I'd have liked to have seen Alexa cheat or something. She was totally pathetic in this match. Yeah, it was weird. It was out of character as well. Like, you see how hard she came at Nia Jax for months. Yeah. And then she's just going to let Ronda roll completely over her? Like, Ronda squashed her. She yeah. totally squashed her. And I get that Alexa is meant to be a bit of that kind of, like weakling type character to an extent but she's not a she's not a Carmella she can beat people legitimately that's been shown that and like it you know work having her be you can't tell the story of her being occasionally a weakling when she literally went up against Nia Jax like two months ago and what what was supposed to be like a hard-hitting genuine like you know fight to the death almost match and she still won easily yeah like she's she's shown that she if she's not gonna get squashed by Nia Jax yeah then what's the kind of point in this? Like, why she just seemed like such a fucking putz. And don't get me wrong, literally every step Ronda takes in the ring is still fucking like she's she holds herself, she moves, everything she does is is amazing. Like she is in the ring, she's incredible, she's really amazing to watch because she moves unlike any other wrestler. I think she's got you know every step has got purpose. I don't like her just completely. Just, like Alexa Bliss was nothing in this like absolutely nothing and it's like you're selling this pay-per-view kind of saying oh, come see Ronda Rousey she's going to win the women's championship well she won the women's championship in like with her eyes closed basically mm-hmm. here with no threat whatsoever well, fucking hell like it's going to be a bit boring after a year this then isn't it I don't see why they don't do the logical thing of pitting Ronda against Charlotte Flair 
I mean, they're going to get there for WrestleMania. I, I know think. they're going to get there. WrestleMania. But, like, it's all about doing it at a time when people are sick of people, right? So, mm. like, everyone's sick of Charlotte Flair at the moment because she's, like, the female Roman Reigns. She's being too, given too many opportunities at the expense of a lot of other women. And you've got a similar kind of thing going on with Ronda at the moment. So, I mean, I'd have started off with quite kind of like a clean the slate once and for all. Like, let's pit them against each other right at the very beginning. And then you can do it again a year from now, nearly, mm. at WrestleMania. After they've both grown on separate journeys a bit. But I think at the moment you've got these two characters which are given too much weight. And everyone who Ronda's getting in the ring with now is coming away from it with less. Yeah. Like, where's Nia Jax been the last month? No idea. You know? Since she you know, since she lost her to Ronda, it's not really been a whole lot going on for her. Although she is dating Luke Gallows now. That's true, yeah. So, Maybe she's hanging out under the ring with Luke and uh, oh, Carl. <laughs> But, like, Alexa, just feel like, you know, on Raw, they had Alexa just her arm in a sling, and she was just looked scared. It's like, God, she was a fucking... Alexa was just, like, fucking killer, mean, fucking rotten, horrible villain. Have a cut a promo about how shit Ronda Rousey is and how she had to leave the MMA because of her being beaten up to such an extent that she the, couldn't rest, couldn't fight anymore. Like, that's yeah. a natural story. Let her speak the truth. It just made Alexa seem stupid that she picked a fight with this person who she was absolutely, completely, way, way, way out of her head. Yeah. Way out of her depth. I don't know. I didn't enjoy it as a result. It was... It was... An example of Rhonda is so good that I think they think they could just put her with anyone and it's going to be okay. No, absolutely not. I tell you, you shouldn't be putting her with the fucking people in Glam Squads. What the fuck was going on with the with that war page? Was she a fucking owl? Like, what the fuck is that? It was so shit. So I know with the Glam Squad, you're given quite a bit of control with how you want your look to be. So I'm not going to blame them. I'm not, not going to say that it's their fault that she looked like that. Because what I think probably happened is they came up with a cool winged eyeliner look. And she was like, no, I want her to be like this. And then made it bad. It feels to me that Rhonda, if she had her way, wouldn't wear makeup at all. And she was told, you need to wear some sort of makeup. I would love it if she didn't wear makeup at all. But Let even, her they, not wear makeup at all. But they, I think they've gotten into her head about... like I've listened to her interviews with her recently and she's like... She's like, Vince tells me I, I, I should smile because when I smile, the whole world lights oh up. Oh my God, she should and not. That's like, terrible advice. What great advice. It's like, no, you fucking shouldn't. The Ronda Rousey smile? What? It's the fucking glare. That's the whole money oh, right there. fucking God. But I'm wondering now how long she's going to do this for because if she's ripping into people this quickly, it feels like she's got a year she can do exactly. this. Exactly. She's going to run out of opponents. So if it's a year and that's it, then cool, awesome. They've... You know, rip through the women's division in a year, but I just feel sad that Alexa Bliss. This is like semi-main event. I thought she was going to get, you know, this is what many feared would happen with Ronda, where the women's division is not actually getting elevated, whereas actually the women's division is being used to elevate Ronda. And I don't feel you can genuinely say Alexa Bliss is better off, other than maybe she's got a nice big boost in her bank account. It's probably the most money she's ever going to have made from wrestling, as from SummerSlam, Alexa. Mm. But other than that, I don't think she's a lot to show for tonight. No. You know, it's a bit, a bit sad. But hey, I know a lot of people love this match. So, fair fair dues. If you liked it, you liked it. I just feel I wanted a bit more, you know. I needed some excuse to care that Ronda was beating Alexa so easily. Yeah, exactly. I, and we, we didn't get that. Skincare routine for this one? Uh, it's a sheet mask oh. to cover up all of Ronda's... <laughs> Not great makeup. Her, her own stylist posted a picture of Rhonda's hair, followed by a picture of a hot dog with mustard squeezed onto it in a little zigzag. 
So we know where the inspiration came for that then. No, it's. I don't think the stylist came up. I think Rhonda came up with the idea. So this is Rhonda's. And like, the stylist this, was like, "I hate this. this hot dog I'm going right. to post this to social media to show everyone this was not my idea." Oh, I thought Trust it was the vision board. Like you know, this is an eagle with a hot dog in its talons. Like <laughs> <laughs> I want that. Maybe Rhonda's vision board. Main event time: Roman Reigns, who has been feuding with Brock Lesnar longer than the entire Attitude Era has lasted. Jesus Christ. You think I can make a podcast out of out of that? <laughs> I know we've said before about doing like episodes about feuds. Yeah. And it's horrifying to think that there's enough time has passed to do a full episode on Brock versus Roman, and I have absolutely no inclination to do You've it. You've been there the whole ride. The first the first time they oh, faced I off. Know. That's when Seth cashed in. That was the first time. And here we are, many, many times later. I will say, shout out in this feud goes to Paul Heyman, the only man who seems more determined to get Roman Reigns over than Vince McMahon himself. He would fucking give a kidney if it meant getting this fucking angle over. Mm -hmm. The tears, the physicality from a man in his mid-50s who should not be being beaten up by Brock Lesnar to get this over. The fucking constant promos, the thing he did with Renee when he was all... Blood I'm having nightmares eyes. still. Don't talk about it. It's horrible. He nearly made Renee cry. If you go back and you watch that, Renee, her voice starts breaking up because she's, she just gets ambient sadness. She gets ambient sadness from fucking Paul Heyman's acting his heart out and just trying to make people care about this. Seeing Paul Heyman do that interview with Renee where he is like full on crying. Somehow he's managed to act, make his eyes act bloodshot. I don't know if he's done something or if he can just will that through sheer force of acting. Hi, a kite, everyone. <laughs> but like, Jesus, get this man a career in Hollywood. So good. Like, on, honestly, I want to see way more of Paul Heyman act. I'd love to know the method to that, though, because he, he's done this before where it's like, there's a feud that someone's going to get him and he'll, he won't shave and he'll be a bit disheveled. He won't, like, he won't iron his suit and stuff like that. But this was unlike anything else. And he was like, so he's like, you think I deserve this and all that. And he starts talking about, like, how, like my, my children are friends with his children. And he, he can't even finish the sentences because he knows he's going to start crying, yeah. like talking about how his kids can't hang out with their friends anymore. And he's like, we don't let anyone into our lives. He's the only one I let into my life. And, oh my fucking God. And all to get Roman Reigns over for this fucking angle. And even still, with all of that, Barclays Center were ready to fucking ruin this match. They were going to piss... Like, it was going to be WrestleMania all over again, this. Until <laughs> the magician, Vince McMahon, from behind the curtain... Paul Heyman. You reckon it's Paul Heyman? He's involved yeah, in the Yeah, you're angle. right, actually. You're right, it's yeah. It's definitely Paul Heyman. How do we get Brooklyn to pay attention to the match and cheer and want a conclusion? Because Braun Strowman comes out and says, I'm not a coward. I'm telling you, I'm cashing in right this second, as soon as this match is over. The crowd, who normally would have spent the whole match looking to their left, looking to see who's coming on their right Throwing cramp beach way, balls, counting down from 30. All of a sudden, they're like... Ugh. And the match was only like five or six minutes, just short enough. And they started off with all the finishers. They did pretty much the same thing they always do at Brock, but because right there you had Braun, and Braun got taken out at the end, and Brock kind of with said, his own Money in the Bank briefcase. Yeah, Brock beat the shit out of Braun. Like you know, that was maybe Brock's a Kevin Owens fan. Who knows? <laughs> and yeah, quick win for for Roman, and the crowd explodes. And like we were shocked. We thought, okay, there's going to be another fifteen minutes here. No, it's just like, Roman wins, end the show. And 
apparently there were unpleasant scenes in Brooklyn afterwards. Oh, really? The fans were not happy once they realised what had happened, that they had been tricked into liking the match. Oh, idiots. Of course they have. How long can you do that? Like all the time, do you think? Do you think anytime oh, anyone no. comes in and says they've got to cash in money in the bank, they're going to start booing now or something? I think I'd be really careful. I don't think you can do that more than like twice a year. Well, Brock's gone now. Is he though? He is apparently. Is he though? Apparently, he's going to. He's off now to fight uh, Daniel Cormier. Is he in though? UFC, yeah, he is. Is he though? I I'm telling you, he's not around now. He is. Really? He's gone off. It isn't he though? <laughs> you think he's coming back? Yes. Yeah. How soon do you think he'll be back? Less than a year. Yeah, I think he'll be back at the Rumble. If he, if he fights Cormier in the winter and then he maybe the Rumble. <laughs> He's coming back though. Yeah. He loves that money. Come on, it's easy. He He's likes- going to get the money from this match. He'll make fucking tons from yeah. doing this Daniel Cormier match. He'll get back in the MMA world for a couple of pretend angles that won't go anywhere. And yeah. he'll be back in wrestling. He's if- telling the same story, but in a different industry <laughs> I like UFC because unlike in the WWE the res- the fighters come out and say I'm gonna fight you motherfucker but un- unlike in wrestling they have a big smile on their face Yeah, uh, that's why I like UFC it's very <laughs> legitimate uh, real feuds going on between millionaires yeah <laughs> <laughs> DC motherfucker I'm gonna make you so much money <laughs> alright big guy we'll make it ooh I can't wait to see that He'll lose as well, like, he will. Yeah, of course he will. He's I not an actual s- MMA fighter anymore. He's not, like, the last couple of times he's went around, he's just lost and very resoundingly. going to get paid a shit ton of money, regardless of if he wins or loses. Or he'll win, and then he'll be done in for a drug test violation, like yeah. the last time he won, and then go away for a year and make money do to be, and then come back, which is exactly what, he's literally back now because mm-hmm. his suspension is up from the last time he won. And he won because of a fucking... He was on something. Yep. So that's how Brock Lesnar makes his money. I hope it doesn't mean we're not going to get Heyman. That would really no, upset no, I'm, me. No, I'm confident we will get Heyman. You I reckon? think I think Heyman legitimately adores pro wrestling more than anything else on this earth. Mm. I think he absolutely lives for that shit. I think that's why he's able to do the stuff that he does even for Roman Reigns. Mm, that's true. Like... Oh, I just think it's his blood. Like I think he wa- he he feels like with the last month, it felt like he was a man possessed. Like he had to fucking get this angle over because mm. he. I think he knew this is the end, and it's like if it doesn't get over now, it's never going to get over. And between that and the Braun thing, congratulations WWE, you technically did it. You you very much technically did it. You got Roman Reigns to beat Brock Lesnar and the crowd to pay attention and to cheer somewhat. And yeah. Good job. We've gotten there. All Fucking I'm... hard going. Three years it took us to do it, but we got there. All I'm going to say is if you've heard our ECW episode that we did recently, where we talk at great length about the Machiavellian genius that is Paul Heyman and how easily he manipulates everyone. Yeah. This is definitely his idea. Yeah. Well, good job, Paul Heyman. That's why they pay him the big bucks, I guess. You know, He, he earns it, kind of. Your skincare routine then for our main event. How do you cap off your big steps. Well, this was kind of spoiled in the first time we mentioned the skincare routine. Of course, routine yes. Because this is actually the final step. This is the night cream. This the is the ultimate cream. bad boy moisturizer to end all moisturizer. And you can only do it once every three years. No, you do it every night. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I was going to make a joke about how you could also name the the night cream the, the beast or the big dog or the monster. <laughs> 
How how names. big are these creams? They're not actually necessarily big. More like like her hard hitting. Ah, uh, heavy duty creams. Is yeah, what you're saying. I see. I understand. Okay. So final thoughts on Summer Sam. For me, it was a show that I really actually ended up enjoying. I don't think there's anything. Like, there's a few things here and there I wasn't a massive fan of, like, you know, some DQ finishes, but we got a lot of really great matches, and I have to tip my cap, I have to, like, literally give all the praise in the world for WWE for for pulling the wall down and for pulling that off. It was literally something I thought was not possible. Yeah, I, I really appreciated the cleverness of that. I, th- I think if they try and do stuff like that in the future, they do have to be careful. I think if they try to do it in different ways, maybe, but using the same kind yeah. of idea of if you're going to end with Roman, you have to have something afterwards to kind of keep people happy in their seats. Yeah. You can't always have that thing be Braun Strowman cashing in money in the bank. No, because so. they'll run out of that eventually and people will get wise to it. You do not want to ruin Braun Strowman or money in the bank. Those are two very precious things to Absolutely. the industry. <laughs> I really enjoyed SummerSlam though. I, I think at the time during the, the night itself, you know, obviously we stayed up to watch it. I did find it dragged at points. Mm. But in hindsight and on paper and everything, it was actually a pretty solid show. There was mm. nothing that happened that kind of, you know, made me super enraged. Yeah. Kind of the, the lowest spot, I think, for me was uh, just seeing Jeff Hardy have to do a swanton bomb <sighs> and then Randy Orton come out and look at him. Yeah, I think it was, for me, there was, yeah, there was a few bits that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but nothing rubbed me the wrong way so much that it would in any way spoil the show. There was enough good here that mm. it was still a very, very enjoyable show. It wasn't... I think quite on par with previous years of SummerSlam. Mm, yeah, I get. I mean, but then previous years of SummerSlam will often have at least one match that's just awful. Yeah, and I think this one had the benefit of maybe why there wasn't any one match that I would say completely knocked my socks off. There was like enough really, really good matches and nothing that was so bad. It was like on average, I think the best SummerSlam in many, many years. I yeah. think as a result of that. But hey, hope you enjoyed listening to our review of SummerSlam. As mentioned previously, there's a whole shed load, three years worth of pay-per-views, bonus episodes, and side ventures on patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. And if you are a current backer, fret not, you are still getting your extra content this month as Joe and I are going to be going in-depth and doing a big review of NXT TakeOver, as well as getting up to speed on all of our current hot takes and all of our favorite wrestlers in NXT. We've been watching it consistently now for around three or so months. I think we've got a lot to chat about. We've not had a chance to talk about NXT in quite a long while, and it'll be really fun to talk about a great takeover and some of the feuds and characters and directions that we're seeing on that lovely show that emanates from Full Sail. And don't forget as well, if you become a $5 backer, even just for a month, you get immediate access to everything. But if you want to get access to us and see us live and in person, you can do so the 15th of September in lovely London as part of the London Podcast Festival, King's Place Theatre. Kevin and Joe, that's us. We're going to be doing a live show looking at all of wrestling's most favourite and memorable love and romantic stories. We're going to be looking at how-to couples, all of the best couples in the history of professional wrestling and as well as that there will be a live Q&A with Joe and myself as well tickets are less than £10 available from kingsplace.co.uk as well on that day you've got the Attitude Era podcast starring myself Adam and Billy and a whole mess of other 
fantastic podcasts from people all over the world, from Schmanners to Plumbing the Death Star to Paul F. Tompkins. It's a star-studded lineup, and your pals are going to be there as well. You get 10% off if you order three or more tickets. Come see some wrestling podcasts live. Come say hi to Kevin and Joe. We had a fabulous time last year, and we're planning on having an even more fabulous time this year. Joe, are you excited to tell the people about all your favourite wrestling couples? I am very, very excited. And you know what I've been thinking? And Mm -hmm. I think that this moment in history has more shoot wrestling couples than any other period. It's true. I think you've got a lot to say about all the kind of current love and romance that we have Mm. in WWE. I, on the other hand, might open up the crypt and have Dan see some of the horrible real-life and kayfabe romances that WWE and wrestling as a whole have shown us over the years. I hope you're all ready to hear about some really shit weddings. Mm. Might give us some ideas about how not to have our wedding eventually. (laughs) But we'll see you live in London on the 15th of September. Thank you very much for listening to our review of SummerSlam. Until next time, where we're going to be talking about Hell in a Cell and Women's Evolution in October and September. It's going to be a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.